Hi, I'm Homer Hargrove and I'm the pastor of Grave Top Church. I hope that today's message inspires you and that connecting with our church family today truly makes a difference in your life. Enjoy the message. Uh, as we continue this series, um, Why are You Scared? We're going to be talking about anxiety. And like I was saying, I often have wondered what it is that, cause, that causes our generation to have so much more anxiety. I've wondered, like, has it, was it never just like properly diagnosed before? Um, or is it like something in the water? You know, is, the, is, is it really the, the tap water? Is, is it the fluoride? And I think that one of the biggest reasons that we have so much more anxiety in our generation in, in times past is because of how quickly we are able to access information. And knowledge is power, don't get me wrong. But it's like we know more than ever how broken our world is. We we are able to get information so quickly about chaos in our world. And I think that because we see how much in our world is uncontrollable, it produces so much more anxiety within us. I mean, just think about the concept of like the end times. Every time, uh, every time like people start thinking it's the end times, especially like during the pandemic, man, I would have so, I would have so many more people like coming to church and (laughs) it's like, once you start getting a little worried, like we can go just in case, like, (laughs) and the end times, even for Christians seems like a fearful thing. I, I, I've talked to a lot of Christians where it's like the idea of it being the end times, Armageddon, whatever it is. It is intimidating to us and scary. And I think that while I could get the general sense of reading Revelation like, yeah, that sounds pretty crazy. I think that the biggest motivation to that fear is what motivates anxiety. And that is the uncontrollable moments. The uncontrollable moments. That feeling of being powerless to change things in our world. And if you notice that our level of anxiety almost matches our desire for, for impact, our desire of wanting to be involved in things. Y'all notice that? That now more than ever, people want to stand for something, and it matches how, how much our anxiety is growing. We want to be able to make a difference, and I think that part of that is good, but the anxiety part, is that that uncontrollableness, that uncontrollable feeling. And it produces this, this angst. And whether it's all of the changes in the world, I mean, seeing, uh, seeing like, you know, the whole pandemic play out, seeing uh, the incredibly confusing times of our governmental systems, of not knowing what's true, what's not, feeling, uh, feeling just like really torn about our reality it, it can feel like it will, it will push some people to, like, I think now more than ever, there's been, like, a prepping uh, as far as, like, you know, preppers, like, let's create a doomsday bunker. I remember growing up, I was like, that's ridiculous. But now I'm like, actually, that sounds like a good idea. <laughs> like, well, how could, we, how could we dig in a rental property? <laughs> it, and whether it's that or whether it's just, like, we've, I've, we've gone to a new level of anxiety with this constant state of uncertainty in our world. And I w- my heart today is to unpack and address this motivation, of fe- uh, this motivation by fear, this fear of what will happen, this fear of what will happen. That's really what we're going to be talking about today. That qu- that I feel like that question right there, what's going to happen, is where a lot of our anxiety starts. And that anxiety, those fears of what will happen, and we start thinking about all the things that are out of our control, and it turns into this fear fantasy that spirals in our mind about all of the, the horrible possible things that could happen because we can't control the outcome. And so my heart today is to address this and to, to really give some spiritual tools to help fight against these fears, these fears. And so... The reason that this is so important is because when we, uh, us as humans, our natural reaction to this kind of fear, this fear of not being able to control something, is to immediately grasp for control in some type of excessive decision. Like, 
more times than not, when, when we use fear as our reasoning rather than sound judgment, we'll make some terrible decisions. Just think about, just think about Star Wars Episode 3, when all of the galaxies handed over power to Emperor Palpatine because they were afraid, right? You know what I'm talking about? Okay, I know, it got real serious. And, or think about, think about the moments in which we go into a toxic relationship because we're rebounding. Moments someone is rebounded from a toxic relationship uh, into a toxic relationship because they're desperate to try to control that loneliness. Or I don't know how many times me and my wife have counseled uh, youth and adults who had unrealized eating disorders because they're trying to control their bodies and their diet by throwing up after they eat. I mean, this is like. All of these decisions that we make are based out of fear, not being able to control. And it makes us desperate. And anytime we make a decision out of desperation, it's typically a bad decision. Y'all feel that? So let's start by unpacking this, this judgment impairing fear. And in order to do that, I want us to, I want to kind of unravel our hearts and minds to the things that we can't control. And I want us to understand that we live in a, a world of changes and a world that is always changing and the things that we can't control scare us the most the things that we can't control scare us the most that's why we like immediately think that we have to kill aliens right we can't control them we have to we have to capture and kill them and I think that when it comes to our world we often imagine that this world is pretty beautiful and and just this something to expect. But what we actually find through information, through knowledge, through science, is that our world is, is constant at being unpredictable. It is constant at being unpredictable. That our world's uh, single truth is change. That change is one of the single most uh, truths that this world carries because this world, while it, it, it has beauty, while it has wonder, it was turned into a broken world when sin entered the world. Is it, it turned into a world of death, of pain, of disease, of chaos. And because of how unpredictable, unpredictable our world is, we have to deal with all of the reactions of this world. Because it's not just physical chaos, but it's spiritual chaos as well. I mean, when we look at the interactions of like, say the book of Daniel and just in our world, there's like these constant battles of angels and demons. That is that not sound like chaos, like that we live in a world where in the spirit, there is constant battle. And I want us to, I want us to just really take a moment to think about it because we have this nature and desire of control. And we always try to control what uh, control the things that we're, we can't control because it makes us feel afraid. And let's just take a moment to think about just our weather system. Just our weather system. Something so common, right? We have, even though we have seasons, even within the seasons, like our seasons, we can expect that kind of rhythm. But even within our seasons, we don't know how severe one season will be to the next. I mean, like it's like we knew it's going to be winter, but all of a sudden it snows in, in San Antonio. See how it's so unpredictable, it just randomly switch up on us. Our, our weather system is so unpredictable that we can't even expect, uh, we, there's no way for us to expect a tornado, an earthquake to happen. It, it's hard for us to even know if it's really going to rain this week. How many times have you been looking at the weather channel, you look at the weather app, and you're just like, all right, it's going gonna, it's gonna to rain on Thursday. And the closer you get, it's like a completely different outcome by the time you get there. You're like, well, that was deceptive. <laughs> See, it's because even we don't even know if it's really going to rain that day. Think about that for a moment. We really don't even know. And it's just by percentage. Like, it's probably going to rain. <laughs> but we really don't know. 
it is unpredictable. And not just from simple things as it's going to rain, but even the most severe weather uh, occurrences in our world, we can't predict. Did you know that the first settlement in North America was not Christopher Columbus? It was not um, from Europe. It was actually from Spain. The first settlement ever in North America was in, in Pensacola, Florida, and it was led by Don Tristan de Luna of Spain in 1559. They had, over, they had roughly 1,500 people that established a settlement in Pensacola, Florida. And, and the reason that it was not the established settlement of, of the, the newfound land, the newfound North America, was because it's that, that year, they, that entire settlement got wiped out by a severe hurricane that destroyed all of their equipment, destroyed all of their fleets, and killed nearly every, uh, every person there. It, to think that this moment in history, this, that their whole aspirations, all the planning that went into this voyage, think about how many months it took from them to travel from Spain to this place, and they get here like, we're really gonna do this. And to get entirely wiped out because of a moment of chaos. A moment of unpredictability. I say, I, I share this for us to really try to get a grasp that this world is out of our control. And yet, there's real scientists right now that are actively trying, and they have been for years, learning how to control the weather. This unstoppable force, this un, unstoppable force, and we as humans are like, let's see how we can control that. It's in our nature to control because we are afraid of what we can't control. And so if we understand that just our passion for, for control can't stop the weather, it, it doesn't stop at wanting to control the weather, and it doesn't relent in our day-to-day. -day. We, we want to control the things of our lives, and it doesn't stop at our view of God. We want to control and constrict the way God displays himself in Scripture and we're like, well, I, I believe this. And we try to contort that into a way that we can control. To think for a moment that we're, we have this, people, we, we as people have this concept, a, a vast amount of people have this concept of this, this omnipotent being in the universe that created all things. And when we see like texts and scriptures inspired by God, we think, well, I don't really like that. I have a better idea. And so you truly believe that there's this grand, omnipotent, all-powerful being, and you're like, I just don't like how it's described here. I like the idea that I can control. And we try to fit it into our box. I, it only shows that we, we want to nearly control everything because of two things. We desire power, and we do not trust. We desire power, and we do not trust anything or anyone more than ourselves. We don't trust anyone or anything more than ourselves. And with, this, with these two things being innate within us, it can be, it's incredibly counterintuitive when God calls us into humility and to trust Him. The very two things that are opposite of our nature. And because our nature doesn't mix well with, a, a, with that kind of faith, we feel afraid of giving up that control to God, to, to really... We feel afraid to truly surrender to God, all because of these, this desire of control. And I feel like this passage in Revelation gives good imagery of how we feel, of what it's like for us to feel powerless in the, the situations we face, even when we have good intentions. I want us to look at Revelation chapter 5, verse 1 through 4. Or 1, through, uh, 1 through 4, and it says in this verse, this is John speaking in his revelation that he had from God while he was uh, left for dead on the island of Patmos. It says, Then I saw a scroll in the right hand of the one who was sitting on the throne, and there was writing on the inside and the outside of the scroll. See, even in heaven they have two-sided printing machines, okay? <laughs> there was writing on the inside, writing on the outside, and it was sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel who shouted with a loud voice, who is worthy to break the seals on the scroll and open it? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll and read it. Then I began to weep bitterly 
because no one was found worthy to open the scroll and read it. See, this moment in which John weeps bitterly, I feel like it's a, it, it gives this perfect illustration of what it is like on the inside when we feel anxiety. It is this, this powerlessness to do anything. For John, he spent his entire life dedicated to the ministry of the gospel, dedicated to being able to open this, this book of life, to, to be able to do his part in, in sharing the ministry of God. And now he's seeing this vision in which he's saying nothing anyone has ever done can open this book, can open this scroll. And that's why he's weeping bitterly because of the realization that at, no matter how much he gave, he gave his, like all of his life, he's willing to be martyred for Christ, just like all of his companions. And at the end of the day, he still could not control the outcome. And that's why he's weeping bitterly. And I want you to think, what, what has you so anxious that you, could whip, that you could weep bitterly? In these moments in which that we, have, that we find no control, where you find no answer, it's one thing when we don't have a, any control, but also when, you, when you're not allowed to see the light at the end of the tunnel. You have no answer to what you're going through. It makes us feel paralyzed in our lives. That, that mom, those moments in which you don't even want to get out of bed because of that crippling anxiety. You feel like this weight all over your chest. And our natural reaction when faced with these powerless situations is is to try to control these feelings and these worries by either escaping or distracting. Escaping or distracting. Let me unpack those. Escaping is usually seen in like entertainment, uh, uh, trying to like, you're just all of a sudden like binge watching Netflix. Why is that so popular? Because we really feel anxious about the next day. So we stay up all night, unless it's like stranger things, like that makes sense. Like, <laughs> but. We're, we're so afraid to face the next day, and so we binge watch. We're escaping through entertainment, and we hurt ourselves. Like, we know that we need to go to bed, but we can't because we're afraid of the next day. Or, or even worse, we start, uh, we start trying to escape into drugs, alcohol, or any other means. We're trying to find escape from what we're feeling. Or we try to distract ourselves by exasperating our lives in other ways. See, I feel like escape can usually have like this, almost like a, self-harm connotation, but we typically don't think of the idea of distracting ourselves being as harmful. This looks like uh, the moments in which we try to uh, exasper exasperate our, our lives so that we don't have a moment to think. The moments in which we take way too much schooling than we should because we're trying to distract ourselves. The moments that uh, we, we try to uh, throw ourselves into more jobs and more work because we're trying to distract ourselves from at home. Or even the moments where we, uh, we go on these uh, binges of working out constantly in our, in our uh, empty moments because we don't want to have a moment to think. We try to distract ourselves by, by increasing the level of responsibility in our lives. We take on more and more so that we're able to distract our minds. And whether we're trying to escape or whether we're trying to distract, at the end of the, at the, end of the day, we're, trying, we're running away from the things that we can't control, the things that truly scare us. When I, I think about a moment when uh, I was a youth pastor, and in our, in our church, it was like a huge division that was forming within the leadership. And feeling really confused, feeling really overwhelmed, and not really knowing how to handle this situation. And just feeling like right in the middle of it. It wasn't something that I necessarily, I didn't do anything, but I'm in this uncontrollable moment in which I can't control. And it made me feel overwhelmingly anxious. I felt isolated. I felt like I didn't know what to do. And all those, all those dark thoughts, all those fear fantasies would fill my, fill my mind. And a simple thing that I did almost reactionary is I, I felt that for so long to where I tried to escape into entertainment. And for, and for me, I ended up uh, at this time, I, I went into like playing video games. And I'm like, there's nothing wrong with playing video games, right, Jonah? This, <laughs> Jonah's like, I don't even play video games. But 
for me in this moment, it's like this season to where I like went all in to where it's like as soon as I got home from work, it's like I just want to play a game. And I just like wanted, I wanted to escape in this moment because it was too difficult to think about the situation that I was in. And it's like, it's, it's one thing when you have like one day like that, but all of a sudden it's like, it's been like two weeks of like, all I want to do is this. To where Lauren had to confront me like, hey, you all right? <laughs> it is a moment where I had to have self-realization of like, why am I, why did I have this change in behavior? And let's talk about that for a moment. I had a moment of changed behavior. And then finally, because I was confronted, I had a moment of self-reflection. And I realized deep down, I knew that I was actually trying to escape the feelings and the thoughts from the uncontrollable situation that I was in. Now let's take a moment to have a point of self-reflection for ourselves. In the moments that you notice a change in your behavior like that, I, I encourage you to stop and be honest with yourself. Are you trying to escape or distract yourself from something? Are you trying to escape or distract yourself from something? Because typically those things that you're trying to escape from are, the, are fears of not having control. Of not having control. And only when you can... Bet, uh, there's only one way that we can better direct those fears and worries, but we can only do that. We can only do that when we are honest with ourselves and have real self-reflection that we can pour it into a, a healthier outlet like prayer. And I want to talk about that for a moment. Now, I want to be clear that as I'm talking about this, I am not trying to project that prayer will fix all your problems. I, I think that prayer is a, one of the most powerful and overlooked tools that we have as Christians. But I'm not trying to project that if you have anxiety, it's because you're not, you're not praying enough. That's not what I'm saying at all. Like, shoot, I still get anxiety. I, I think I had like, what, a nervous breakdown this past week? Yeah, Lauren's like, yeah. <laughs> I was praying and everything. Sometimes, like in the, mo the midst of my prayer, I was like, oh, man, I need to sit down. Like, I'm getting more anxious about this. And, and so I'm not projecting that, but what I am projecting is that there, there is something within prayer that definitely alleviates and helps us in our situations. And that's what I want to talk about. I want to start by going into Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 through 7. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. And his peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ. This, this passage is really projecting to us that when you feel that angst, when you feel that worry, that we should pray instead of escape, that we should pray instead of distract, because prayer transfers your burdens onto Christ. Prayer transfers your burdens onto Christ. Like I said, we often neglect prayer as a viable tool in this world. And even with prayer, we imagine it more to be like Santa's list. And we don't see it as a spiritual resource to assist us from the burdens in this world. We just think it's a shopping list for Santa Claus. And the burden feeling that comes from, from the things that we can't control, all of those, those feelings we just got done talking about, we can direct them towards God. We can direct them towards God. Because I believe that this verse is telling us to not hold on to those thoughts of fears and worries, but rather cast them onto Jesus through prayer and intercession. And if we were to understand, like, like I said, this is all we're talking about anxiety that's based in fear. Fear and faith are the same thing. It's believing what you cannot see. How many times have you been worried about something? I, I'll, I'll use myself as a personal example. Oh my gosh, I can't pay the electricity bill. How am I going to pay the electricity bill? And all of a sudden that fear, that, that anxiety, that anxiety starts and it starts there and all of a sudden it starts turning into this whirlwind inside your chest. And he's without even, it's like without even having articulate thought, it turns into a bigger and bigger worry. You don't think about like, well, I can, uh, if I just file for, if I request an extension, it'll be fine. It, we don't even go there. We just are like, oh, I can't pay it. And it just starts building and building. And we have this mental, unarticulated energy that we just keep putting into that anxiety as we worry and worry 
and worry. And it's these unarticulated, these unarticulated thoughts that form this feeling that grows and grows. And that's I, the best way I can describe it is like these fear fantasies. These fear fantasies. I mean, I, I feel like typically with fantasies in people's minds, it's like, <laughs> it's usually all good, right? These fantasies are these unarticulated ideas that we have. But when it comes to fear, it just, it's all the negative, all this negative. And it, what I'm suggesting is that when we, if we were to transfer our burdens onto Christ, this passage paints this picture that there's an essence of peace. Just like there's this, this essence of worry, this essence of anxiety, and this unarticulated feeling, it is the same for peace. And this, this scripture even says that a peace that goes beyond understanding. Let's compare it. Has our worry also been beyond our understanding? Has there been times where you feel anxious without even knowing why you feel anxious? See, this, this verse is giving a comparison as, as almost like there's something just like that, except it's good. And what, I, what it's showing is that this essence of peace is able to be the replacement to our worries and our fears. And it gives this like diagram of how we can spiritually attack worry. Of, whoa, <laughs> jumped ahead there, sorry. Uh, of how we can spiritually attack worry. And now remember what I'm saying. This is an idea of how we can attack fear, how we can attack worry. I'm not suggesting that if you feel worried, if you feel anxious, that you're not praying enough. That's not what I'm suggesting. These are tools that we can use to fight against it. So first, it gives a baseline that we should take control of our thoughts and what we focus on. That we should take control of our thoughts and what we focus on to transfer those thoughts and that mental energy to prayer instead of worry. How, typically, we have a thought and we just let it settle there and marinate inside of our souls, inside of our minds. And what, what this verse is suggesting is when you get those thoughts of, instead of leaving it formless, of, of really uh, sculpting it to what it really is. Like I use the example of like, I can't pay my electricity bill. When you get a, a worry or a fear like that, finish the thought. And okay, well, the, what, what I can do is get an extension or I can try to get money this way or that way. Just finish the thought. What's the worst that could happen? I'm going to be late on my electricity bill. I'm most likely going to be able to pay it late. But the worst that could happen is I'm going to be two months behind. Y'all feel what I'm saying? Is all of a sudden that, that simple thought, it, it becomes a lot less, uh, it, it, that giant turns into something a lot smaller. And when you articulate, the, when you articulate your, these thoughts, you're able to accept it for what it is and then throw it away. So often we just accept these thoughts and we just like let them fill our minds. But it's not that we, it, you're allowed to have a thought, you're allowed to have a fear, you're allowed to have a worry, but finish it. Just finish the thought, make it complete, because you, no matter what thought you get, you're able to reject it, you're able to accept it, you're able to transfer it, whatever. You're able to move it around in your mind and in your heart. And this idea of transferring it to prayer instead, it, it says to tell God what you need and to thank Him for what He has already done. It's giving this idea of, of using our faith in the midst of fear. Because again, faith is the opposite of fear. It's, believe, it's the same thing, but the opposite, believing what you cannot see. So using faith to combat fear. And then it says to affirm that faith through practicing gratitude. Practicing gratitude. So, I mean, have you ever had a moment where you're like, oh God, how, are you, how is this going to happen? How is this going to work out? But imagine reminding yourself in the moments where God has showed up in your life. If you don't have any of those, just looking at Scripture and reminding yourself who God is in Scripture. And we're able to use gratitude to affirm our faith. I mean, for me personally, I found gratitude to even help me lift out of depression. It, here, here's a really simple practice. It's saying two things. It's saying to pray about the things you worry, uh, that you're worrying about and to give thanks to God for the things that He's already done, right? Imagine the simple idea of getting a journal, and on one page, you write, just list. You don't even have to do complete sentences. Just list the things that you're believing God for. 
And on the other page, list the things that you're grateful for. I'm talking about anything. Anything that you're grateful for in your life, just list it down. I'm thankful that I ate pizza today. I like pizza, right? It's just, I'm thankful that we have the courtsy meeting today. It's refreshing, right? I'm thankful that, that Lauren looks so, so good today. It gave me hope. I'm talking about me personally. That shouldn't be y'all's list. <laughs> it, it gives me hope that at the end of the day, no matter what, I get to lay down with her. <laughs> See, just one page of what you're believing for, one page what you're thankful for. That is literally what this verse is saying. And it's really, do you see how this is really practical? When you get down to it, it doesn't, it doesn't sound like this mysterious, magical thing. It's something super practical. And this is a tangible way to put a, 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 for us to put a prayer method into practice. Now, the scripture also declares that when you trust God with prayer like this, that you will experience God's peace. And that it expounds on how that peace you feel will not make sense to the unchanged situation. It won't make sense to your mind. And it's because I feel like this transferring, it's you transferring your burdens and anxieties onto Christ and he exchanges it for peace. I, I mean, can you? Is there any moment that you remember in which you prayed about something? You really poured your heart out to God about something. And even though you didn't see anything physically change, you felt better within yourself. For me, I, I find that in worship. Like when I experience worship, when I pray about things, it's, it, that burden just lifts. It lifts. And I feel this, this peace that doesn't make sense. And it's God's spirit. It's his presence. And I want us to think about this idea about how this transferring happens because it's saying that we should call on God's peace in the moments of chaos so that we don't give into creating these fear fantasies within our minds. But I want us to look at it even a, a, a step back because there's moments where we feel these burdens and we don't know why. These moments that we feel these burdens and we don't know why we feel them. What I've found is that there's been so many times where I feel a burden and I found that often is that I need to be praying about something that God has called me to pray for something. And, and there's been so many moments where Lauren and I both where we will randomly have this, like this, this unction in our heart to pray for someone specifically. You ever have a moment where you just randomly think of someone like, Oh, I haven't seen them in a couple years. And we made this habit to where when we think about someone, God put, we see it as God putting them on our hearts, and we'll start praying for them. And almost every time, we end up running into that person coincidentally. Either they text or they call or we see them face to face like, hey, what are you doing at the mall? And, and all of a sudden we start talking and, we, and they share how they're going through a really hard time. And we see that that burden, even that sometimes it even feels like anxiety, it was God calling us to pray for some, that his heart was burdened for someone and he was giving you this, this, this objective to make a difference in their life through praying for them. And I, I use this as an example because we should make a practice of writing the things down that we feel anxious about. Imagine that when you, when you feel those anxieties, if you'd write it down and look at it, 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 it makes it, it helps put it just on paper. It really just helps putting it and seeing what it really is. I'm scared of this happening. And when you see it, two things can happen. One, you could see it and you realize that it's not as big as the way you feel. Either that will happen or you can write it down and you don't, because you write it down, you don't have to let it continue marinating in your head and creating a bigger fantasy than what it is. You just got it out. You're able to just write it down and then all of a sudden, the things that you write down, it could be your prayer list. And imagine just now you have this thing instead of all of these, uh, you will forget. Even though you feel anxious and you, it was about a certain thing, you'll just end up forgetting about what that was and then go on with your day and then feel anxious about something else. And all of a sudden you're feeling overwhelmed and you don't know why. Well, just writing those moments down will help you to articulate where that anxiety has come from. It will help you to identify where those feelings of being overwhelmed have come from. And then you, have a, you already have a prayer list of what to pray about in the moments that you can. And I really believe that there's something about even just writing down that makes it feel relieving. It just feels relieving. And it helps you to remember 
what it is, uh, what it is that you're feeling fe fearful about rather than it being this unknown worry plague in your head. So now that we understand where our, fear, our fears of uncontrollable moments come from, and now that we understand that we have this, this method of being able to cast our fears onto Jesus through prayer, I want to finish this talk to unpack what hope is. What hope is in the midst of our powerless situations. And I want to go back to the verse in Revelation chapter 5. Continuing in verse 5 through 8, it says, But one of the 24 elders said to me, Stop weeping. Look, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the heir of David's throne, has won the victory. He is worthy to open the scroll and its seven seals. And then I saw a lamb that looked as if it had been slaughtered. This is a prophetic imagery of Jesus Christ. But it was now standing between the throne and the four living beings and among the 24 elders. Notice that this is all imagery. It's saying that he stands in the gap between the throne of God and all of the people. And even as he stands in, uh, as in the gap, it describes him as in the midst, meaning that he is close to us. And he had seven horns and seven eyes, which represent the sevenfold spirit of God that is sent out into every part of the earth. And he stepped forward and took the scroll from the right hand of the one sitting on the throne. And when he took the scroll, the four living beings and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp and they held gold bowls filled with incense, which are the prayers of God's people. This is a really powerful imagery about understanding hope. And I want us to know that just like this is the end times, we started talking about the end times and how it makes us feel worried, angst. Hope is trusting God with the ending. Hope is trusting God with the ending. See, hope is not seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. It is believing that there is a light at the end of the tunnel, even though you cannot see it. It's a big difference. And this passage shows how Jesus is the one whom we can put all of our, all of our trust and hope, no matter what fears we have, because he has won the victory. When it says that he has the victory, it means he has the, the entire essence of victory. So no matter what victory you need in your life, he holds the essence of victory. The spirit of victory is in him. And so we're, no matter what we need, we're able to call on him in our situation, in our, in our emotions, whatever it is, and he has the victory that we need. And notice how this passage, it ends with this imagery of our prayers being held in these gold bowls, that our prayers are represented as incense filled in, uh, in these gold bowls. And it shows that your prayers are something tangible to God. That, that it's not even just the idea of like, does God remember my prayer? He has this tangible representation of your prayer in the spiritual world. This tangible representation, meaning that your prayers are not forgotten, they're not unheard, but they are there, filled it, permanently, that he holds them. And it shows it that they're held in gold bowls. Why does it give this imagery? Because it's representing how your prayers are precious to God. They're precious to God. That he doesn't just keep them in a trash can. Keeps them in uh, bowls of gold. Because that is how precious your prayers are to him. And it describes your prayers as incense. This incense that fills an aroma of heaven. It fills all of heaven with the aroma of your prayers. See, it's giving all of this imagery to show that your prayers carry this, uh, this special and meaningful significance to God. And I believe that this shows how real our worship is to God. How real every moment of worship is going somewhere. It is going before God. It, it, doesn't it doesn't disappear. It doesn't go out of mind. It's something that is created tangibly in the spirit world. And when we place our hope in Him, especially when we are going through a chaos-filled world, we are sending up sweet and precious aroma into heaven that not even the angels can produce. It doesn't describe any kind of uh, significance of angels worship in heaven like it does with ours. It shows that our worship is something so unique and so precious to God. Why is that? 
Because the angels, they're already in heaven. Of course you can worship. That's easy. <laughs> You're in perfection. You get to, you, it takes no faith to see God. They have God there. God, one of, the, one of the spirits of God is understanding. Is understanding. And it's, I feel like it's one of the most overlooked aspects of God's spirit. Because it means that he truly understands you in a way that no one else can. Have you ever thought about the, your, your traumas, your childhood stuff that no one gets, that no one can really understand? Even if someone went through the exact same thing, it, it, it's, it's just different. It's like you, you know that y'all are similar, but every person is incredibly unique. God and his understanding, the spirit of understanding means that he knows you to the fullest. And he knows when something is truly harder for you than it is for someone else. Now let's look at humanity as a whole. We live in what the Bible itself describes as a sin-filled world full of death, chaos, pain, disease. It describes it as this, this world of destruction because of what happened in the Garden of Eden. God understands what we live in. I, I, I love evangelizing. I love witnessing to people. And one of the one of the most common rebuttals against the idea of the God of the Bible is like, well, if there is a God, how come all of this stuff happens in the world? How come all this pain, all this death, all this disease? It's like, the Bible tells us it was there. You just found out about that? The Bible told us. The Bible told us that this world is like that. And it, it talks about all of the evil in this world. When we say, well, wh how come God doesn't do something? He, do y'all remember the great flood? Why did he do that? Why did the great flood happen? Because of all the evil and wickedness in the world. All the things that we have against God in those moments, God has done something before. But in his mercies, in his grace, he said, I'll not f flood the world again. And so we, we don't even realize what we're really asking of God. In his mercies, he's, he, he spared our world. And all of the things that, all of the wickedness, all of the evil, that's all what Judgment Day is for. Judgment Day was originally made for Lucifer and all the demons, right? But when, when we reject God, when we want, have nothing to do with God, He will not force us to spend eternity with Him. There's only two places, either heaven or hell. And so God will not force us because He has given us free will. And if you truly love someone, you will not force them to be with you, right? And so God does not force us to be with him, but there's only one other place to go because he inhabits all of heaven. There's not like this third world option. Maybe Uranus, but that was a joke, right? It's a planet. It also sounds like a buttocks. But so if we understand that this imagery of God, I want us to look at how he understands our, our brokenness in this world. He understands how violent this world can be, how incredibly inhumane this world can be. He understands how even temptatious this world can be. He understands that. And I want us to look at the story of Job because Job, I feel like he's the essence of hope because in all that he suffered in this world, the Bible says that he did not curse God. He lost all of his family, all of his children died, all of his family died. He lost all of his wealth, he, even his own health. He, it says that there's a moment where he was infected with these, this skin rash of boils to where he itched so bad that he would break pottery and scratch himself with broken pottery. I mean, I have an itch where I've, I feel like I could relate to that, but not, not really to that severity. So he's in complete turmoil in this broken world. And it says that he did not curse God. But you know what he did do? He cursed the day that he was born. He even cursed the doctor that, that brought him into this world, that helped bring him into this world. He cursed the doctor. He even, he never cursed God, but he questioned God. He openly talked about his confusion and his frustrations with God. But he did not curse God. And 
you notice how this is, if we read through the book of Job, it can be a little confusing at first. It took me like four years reading Job to really feel like I captured something. And even in chapter 13 of verse 15, it says this special verse says, though he slay me, I will hope in him. And I think this is a really strong thing that Job says, because in his moment of not knowing why he was going through what he was going through, he did what we all do. And he looked at God as being the source of his pain. And it shows the, the realism of this story, because the Bible in this, in this book, it actually shows us that God did not send the pain to him. It was in fact, the devil that God was not picking on him. It was actually the devil. And it makes a lot more sense when we understand the devil's role in this world. Because Jesus, he tells us that the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But why does he have this vendetta against humanity? I mean, what did we ever do? It's because the devil's quarrel is not really with you and I, is against God. The, it, it, the Bible describes in, this pro, in a prophetic way that, that the devil was once his Lucifer and that his name means angel of light and that he led worship in heaven before the rest of creation, before this world was made and that he led worship in heaven and that there came a day when it, there came a day where he began to covet the worship for himself and he was so cunning and so manipulative that he convinced a third of the angels to agree with him and rebel against God. And Jesus describes that rebellion, that it was that he said that he saw Lucifer fall from heaven like lightning. So it was shot down hard and quick. But because of his, his, his plans that failed against God, once he realized that he truly was no match for the all-powerful being of God, he did what any enemy would do, and he has made this vendetta to attack what God loves most, which is mankind. That is his... That is his reasoning for attacking all of mankind is because it's his only way that he could try to attack God. And if we understand that Lucifer's attempts to hurt God by attacking us is because that we are most precious to God. It, it, it goes into the Garden of Eden when the devil thought he had won this battle with God by deceiving Adam and Eve. But God had this upper hand and he created something that was never created before. None of the angels saw this before in creation. No, none of them experienced it, nor they will ever experience it. God created forgiveness. He created forgiveness in the Garden of Eden. It was never created before. It was never existed before. And now the devil spends his last days before Judgment Day trying to wedge us against God while we are trapped in this broken world. And when we choose to worship, when we choose to worship in this broken world, we lift up something so precious and meaningful that it says, the Bible says that the angels look in wonder at our worship, that it amazes them, that, that we are a spectacle to them. Because in their perfection, one third of the angels did not, did not, chose not to worship God. And here in our brokenness, in our agony, we choose to worship him. And it, that is why it lifts up this, this most precious incense, this most precious, valuable form of worship to God that not, no other creation is able to lift up because we are able to rise above chaos and the things that we cannot control. We are able to rise above agony when we put our hope in God. And we are a witness to all of heaven of how powerful and how redemptive the love of God can be. With that being said, I want us to all close our eyes and bow our heads. And as I, as I end this message today, maybe you feel in your heart that that's exactly, you feel like this anguish has been building up in your heart, this agony Maybe you've been having all these unexplainable moments, these feelings of, of all, all these things that you can't control. You've been feeling this, this anxiety rising up. And you're seeing this moment of clarity that, that God is calling you to trust in Him. 
And if you're here and you've never had that moment where you put your trust and your hope into Jesus, like I talked about today, and you want to do that, with every head bowed and eye closed, if that's you, I want you to raise your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. Amen. So just there to yourself, I want you to have your own conversation with Jesus. The Bible says in the book of Romans, that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is who he says he is, the Son of God who died on the cross and rose from the dead, surely you shall be saved. What it's saying is if you have a genuine heart and talk to him yourself, that that's all it takes to start this relationship with him, this journey with him. That's all it takes to have this reach out moment. And I believe that God has been much closer to you than you realize. You don't need me to lead you through a pretty prayer you can just talk to him yourself. Now, whether they're doing that for the rest of you, if you're here and you feel like this is a message that you needed to hear today, that you feel like God is calling you to really trust him at a, at a next level of trust, a next level of hope by casting your worries and your cares, your burdens onto him. And you feel like this was God speaking to you today and you needed this kind of leading, this kind of encouragement. I want you to raise your hand. I see your hands. So now I'm going to pray for you. God, I pray that you would just finish what you started in each person's life, that you help us to choose to worship in this world. Help us to understand you just like you understand us. And I pray, Lord, that you'd show these people how you see them. I pray that you'd encourage them. And I pray that even right now, your Holy Spirit would lift the burdens from their shoulders and that they would feel the tangible peace of God in their lives right now. In Jesus' name, amen. With that being said, uh... hey, I hope that you enjoyed today's message. If you did, there's several different ways to connect. First is by subscribing to our show, leaving a review or a comment. Second is by going to gravetopchurch.com and clicking the Get Connected tab so that we can connect with you as an individual. And third is if this ministry has made an impact in your life and you want to help us to continue to reach others, then you can give online by clicking the gift tab. Until next time, thank you for being a part of Gravetop Church.